Good morning. I'm Aline Reichenberg Gustafsson. I'm Olivia Marr. I'm Gülce Demirer. Hi, everybody. This is Philip Albuquerque. This is Richard Tishkevich. This is Julia Axelsson. So this week, we're getting ready for the big event of the year, like every year at the end of November. It's the COP. And we've been talking about that the whole year and criticizing the fact that it's happening in a country where they're extracting as much fossil fuels as possible. Uh, but now let's get ready for it. It's starting on Thursday. And Richard, we are not going there. No, we're not going there because obviously we want to save our carbon footprint. Can we please go there? It's raining and very cold in the UK. Oh, okay. it's snowing here, so we, we would happily as well escape <laughs> the Nordic winter. Okay, next year. But this year we are boycotting the COP because it's in Dubai. And Richard, you've you've heard some rumours this morning. Well, they're more than rumours because they're reported by the BBC, which is still relatively um, reputable. Um, but they've got their hands on some correspondence between the organisers of COP28 uh, from, from the United Arab Emirates and various visiting governments. And some of the correspondence is talking about arranging meetings to talk about fossil fuel deals, which seems entirely uh, contradictory to the whole purpose of the climate conference and also really very well opportunistic is a, is a nice way of putting it. And it's all part of the, the debate that still goes on about the fact that the CEO of ADNOC is presiding over the whole conference. And there are different schools of thought. Obviously, it's good to have the uh, the fossil fuel producers in the arena and, and engaging with them as long as they're serious. But that's not particularly the case, especially given the the International Energy Agency's latest report that, that I wrote about last week. There's been a lot of reporting, obviously, ahead of the, of the COP28, because everybody is really in a hurry to, to explain to the politicians that are about to convene how important it is that they act. But um, this uh, this leaked correspondence that you, you, you're talking about, Richard, doesn't bode very well, I'm afraid. Uh, we've covered some of the reports, right, already, because some of them came out last week. We haven't uh, we haven't covered all of the reports, obviously, because it's so so much happening. Like the, the, the big um, United Nations Environmental Programme report, the emissions cap. Uh, report for, for, for this year came out also last week and, and the message is just the same. It's um, greenhouse gas emissions are hitting new heights. Temperature records, you know, are where they are. Climate impacts intensify um, and everybody keeps talking about stopping this yeah, development. So, And at the same time, all the Recent reports and the data suggest that we're completely missing the, the <laughs> targets. And so I don't think we need to speak of these things in such strident terms as the uh, gentleman from HSBC who was from the door shortly thereafter did. Uh, I think this in the beginning of this year, at the end of last year, but perhaps his general point might not be completely off the mark uh, that uh, we should start bringing ad uh, climate adaptation more forward uh, in the agenda of discussion about climate change than we have, not just climate mitigation. Yeah, the, well, the loss and damage fund will be a big, mm -hmm. hopefully uh, that needs to be uh, moved forward during this, this COP so that the 
global south can get some protection from the effects. But the uh, I, I found it interesting listening to the IEA last week with uh, the uh, the chief executive of Fatih Birol, who is along with the uh, good of the UN and various others, he's quite, uh, he's trying to shout louder and louder to try and get people to understand the absurdity of the situation that everyone has signed up to net zero targets, governments and big companies and big, big energy firms. But there's no evidence that they're really doing anything serious to uh, get towards those goals. And uh, I mean, going back to ADNOC, they, they were also found last week to be uh, continuing with flaring despite having signed up to to stop and claiming that they're stopping they say it's only now and again but uh, obviously these days people have satellites and they're seeing you know basically the whole the whole country's on fire every day and it's uh, so they're not just leaking uh, embarrassing emails they're leaking greenhouse gases like crazy so a lot of frustration out there a lot of alarming reports quite low expectations i would say ahead of cop 28 but um maybe as when whenever you have low expectations maybe they will somehow manage to surprise us so we will be all glued to our screens and, and we will be reporting what's happening from there yeah and uh, at least people are aware of these controversies now hopefully so okay. it's there's fewer places to hide. All right, so let's get uh, ready and um, let's watch out for all the articles that are going to pop out from Thursday onwards. And uh, meanwhile, Philip, you've covered the fixed income performance of Article 9 funds in the Nordics, right? Can you just give us a quick summary? Yes, uh, we, we did cover the evolution and developments in uh, sustainable fixed income markets last week. We published our regular quarterly review of uh, Article 9 sustainable fixed income uh, funds available uh, for investment here in Sweden. Uh, and um, it was very interesting. Quarter 3 for fixed income uh, was very good uh, in terms uh, from the point of view that uh, most of the funds had uh, positive returns, be it on the relative or uh, an absolute performance. So that was something good for the fund managers and good for the investors. Presumably everybody was happy. Uh, it was an interesting quarter. There were interest rate increases from central banks everywhere, including in Sweden. And it was very interesting to reach out to the fund managers and hear what they had to say in terms of what drove their uh, performance and what were the dominant themes in the market. Mm, so were they happier to talk to you now that their performance is good? Or was it easier to get quotes from the managers? Generally speaking, the fixed income fund managers are uh, always very keen uh, to, to talk and everybody's very polite and very responsive, as, as is true for most of the equity fund managers. Perhaps not all of them, but most of them are always very forthcoming. But uh, yeah, so no, they were, they were very helpful in their feed and the feedback that uh, they provided me with. From a thematic point of view, the dominant uh, subjects during the quarter was uh, compression of the greenium, uh, issuance of SLBs, uh, sustainability linked bonds and the conditions uh, therein, and the adoption of the EU green bond standards, which should add transparency to the sustainable fixed income environment. From a sectoral point of view, the focus was a lot on uh, real estate uh, market and real estate green bonds, which uh, have been very dominant in Sweden, which was already something I noticed in the uh, article I wrote the previous week about the green bond issuance. 
Well, thank you, Philip. And so this week you will be concentrating on the equity funds, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I'm oh. waiting to hear back from the fund managers confirming the figures, but we will publish by the end of the week. Excellent. So we look forward to reading everything about Article 9 equity funds in the Nordics next week. And Philip, you had a little preview for us, I think. Yes. Contrarily to fixed income funds, it looks like the picture wasn't very uh, fun for um, equity fund managers. Returns seem to have been very much in the opposite direction to fixed income funds. So it'll be interesting to hear what happened and to get confirmation on these figures. All right. And meanwhile, last but not least, uh, we've published a summary article about the roundtable that we had in Copenhagen at the beginning of October. And that was quite interesting because we picked a theme for, for that uh, roundtable, that workshop, actually. We invited about 12 specialists from the Danish market, a lot of them from pension funds and banks, to talk about governance, so the G in ESG. And at first, when we approached our usual partners, uh, we got a bit of pushback because they thought governance was way too boring. But it turns out that uh, in Copenhagen, at least, sustainability specialists were extremely happy to talk about governance because it has become more and more important in their lives. And so we talked about it from two different perspectives. The first one was about equity valuation and how you look at your a target, so not just equity, but also in uh, in credit space. But basically, how do you analyze the governance of a company and what are the type of issues that can influence your investment decisions there? And the other uh, perspectives we have was about stewardship and how governance can influence the type of relationship you have with companies afterwards. And it was quite interesting because uh, we chose to present many cases and everyone was quite enthusiastic about sharing their own experiences. So I'll invite you to have a look at the article and find out for yourself why governance is so riveting. Yeah, I'm more wondering why in other Nordic countries governance is not that much of a hot topic. But yeah, that's just me. No, I'm sure it's also a hot topic in the other countries. It's just that from a marketing perspective, governance is not very sexy, you see. You cannot find attractive pictures for governance. I see. So it's the image of holding <laughs> the gene. It's, yeah. <laughs> that is basically my, my cynical view as an editor. Uh -huh. Everything that has an appropriate picture becomes an appropriate and interesting subject. Yeah, thanks for doing some work on improving the image of G then. All right. Well, that was it for today, I suppose. And um, we will have a lot more to talk about next week, given the looming COP. And we look forward to seeing you then. That was the Expresso for the week. We hope you got your sustainability shot. Thanks for joining. And we hope that now you have something smart to say to your colleagues when you meet them next to the coffee machine. And if you want to be even smarter, you can go on nordsip.com and find all the articles that we talked about and loads more. See you soon. And don't forget to subscribe.